It's the 365 Days of Astronomy podcast. Coming in three, two, one. This is Space Radio. I'm Paul Sutter, and coming up, we're doing a very special episode on the science behind Flatten the Curve. And of course, taking listener questions about not quite all things, but all things that are very important to us right now. We record every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, and you can follow along online or leave a voicemail at spaceradioshow.com. And in today's Blue Shift, I'll be talking about this is hard. Hello, Space Cadets. Welcome to Space Radio. I'm Paul Sutter, astrophysicist at Stony Brook University and the Flatiron Institute. And for the next half hour, your agent to the stars. We've got a very special episode today where I am digging deep into this whole flatten the curve thing when it comes to the COVID-19 global pandemic. I will be taking questions from the chat that relate to my discussion. I actually prepared more than 10 minutes of show material today. I might actually have more material than a single episode, so maybe I'll follow up next week. We will see. But we do record every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern here in Spaceman Studios in mostly locked down New York City. So leave a voicemail at spaceradioshow.com to get yourself on the air. You can also follow along with our space cadets who are tuning in live from around the world, including but not limited to Shorewood, Illinois, Urbana, Illinois, Washington State, Kempner, Texas, Dunham Springs, Louisiana, Orange County, and Morocco plus many more. Get your questions in there and I will answer them there too because that's what I'm here for. Before I start to take any questions and really dig into this topic, I want to explain and, and defend myself in advance of why I'm talking about it because you're probably thinking, look, Paul, you seem like a nice guy. But you're an astrophysicist. You you figure out how how black holes work and the evolution of the universe and, and galaxies and stars. Why are you talking about viruses and a disease and a pandemic and global policy? And you know what? You're absolutely right. I am not an expert in immunology, in virology, in biology. Usually the biology sciences, all that squishy stuff just grosses me out. Give me a good, uh, you know, supernova or white dwarf. That's more my style. But here's the thing. I am a scientist. And astrophysicist, being an astrophysicist makes me a scientist. I have a PhD in physics. I don't understand the raw science about everything when it comes to COVID-19. I will straight up admit that. But I do understand statistics. 
and functions and exponential growth and modeling and making decisions based on modeling. And I also understand jargon. I understand how scientists write papers. I understand how scientists communicate to each other the kind of language they use to draw their conclusions. And as a science communicator, I translate science. I'm never going to come on this show and read a journal article to you. I will interpret that journal article for you so that you can get the gist of it. And that's actually what I'm going to do today. And there are plenty of resources out there. Don't just listen to me. There are specialists, doctors, immunologists, virologists, biologists, the whole gamut of people in this discipline are already out there. They're doing shows. They're you doing on radio interviews. They're, they're on TV. Get the information from them too. I'm not your only source of information, uh, but I hope for the people listening, I can provide something useful. We will get back to space here on Space Radio. It is the name of the show because eventually we're going to need a distraction uh, from all this news about COVID-19. But in the meantime, I thought it would – because it's a big deal. It's a big deal around the world. I have a lot of fans around the world, a lot of people I care about around the world. And so I I would like to help out. And speaking of papers, I mentioned – Papers and reading papers. There's there's actually one paper I'm digging into this. This is a a report written by some researchers at the Imperial College in London, led by Neil M. Ferguson. This is a report dated on March 16th of 2020, but it was actually in preparation for preparation for a couple weeks before then. If you are wondering why your local schools are shut down or why your businesses are shut down or why you're asked to keep six feet distance away from people in public, it is largely due to this paper. It is largely due to the research done by these people to understand how COVID-19 will affect communities and how we can best stop it. So, I'm just going to keep digging in. Normally, we would have a little break here and we'd go to questions, but instead, I'm just going to keep talking. This paper, uh, written by Neil Ferguson and a couple dozen other people, I actually have it on my screen right here in front of me. The title, if you want to know, like this is this is what scientific articles sound like in their titles. It's uh, Impact of Non-Pharmaceutical Interventions to Reduce COVID-19 Mortality and Healthcare Demand. The question this paper is trying to answer is COVID-19 is here. It's spreading. Yes, there might be drugs that might be able to help cure COVID-19. We might have vaccines eventually that will just eradicate it. But without those, without medical intervention, what can we do to stop the spread, to, to minimize the damage done to society. And I do want to say, I do want to add a little caveat here as we get into this discussion that a lot of people around the world are suffering either directly from the disease or have loved ones or friends that are impacted directly by the disease or have loved ones or friends or they themselves are healthcare workers and are on the front lines trying to deal with this inundation of patients. I will say up front, I have it relatively easy. I am not yet 
personally impacted by COVID-19. There is a lot of suffering in the world right now. And I want to recognize that just me talking about this, I'm going to be talking about numbers. I'm going to be talking about strategies. Some of this might come off as relatively cold because we're just talking about percentages and mortality rates and in numbers of infected and community responses. And it's so easy to talk about this in the abstract at the high level, but we have to remember, and I'll do my best to remember through this discussion, but that when we talk about mortality rates, we are talking about people dying suffering and having their lives end, and then the loved ones around them having to to deal with that. This is, I believe, a form of compassion to talk about this, to figure out what is the best way to tackle this. So if anything I talk about comes out as cold or comes out as calculated or 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 just caring about the numbers, my heart goes out to everyone who is suffering from this, who is battling this, who is working way harder than I am to stop the spread to and to, to relieve people of their suffering and more power to you. Whatever you can do at home to help people that you know in your community, please do it. Now, here's the situation. A new disease appears in the world. Ta-da! Now what? What do we do? Best case scenario, ideal scenario, is we have a vaccine or a drug that just cures that disease. Boom. We just nip it in the bud and it was never a problem in the first place. Okay, we don't have that. Vaccine is probably 12 to 18 months out. Probably. We're not exactly sure. There might be some drugs that might be helping COVID-19. Those are in the experimental phase. We're trying to figure out and how effective they are. We don't get the best case. That is not an option right now as of March of 2020. The second best case would be to find all the sick people and lock them up so they can't get near anybody else, then find all the people that they could have possibly infected, whether they did or not, just all their friends, all their colleagues, all their contacts, all the people they sat next to on the subway, boom, 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 everybody, and lock up those people. And again, nip it in the It's like extinguishing a fire. Like if a fire breaks out in the kitchen, and boom, we can get those sprinklers and fire suppression, like boom, massive intervention-based response on exactly the people who currently have the disease and the people they might have infected, we could stop this. It's kind of too late for that. All right? The virus is here. The virus is spreading. It's too late. There are too many people already affected affected and infected uh, for us to be able to do that strategy. So let's look at the way opposite end of the spectrum, which is the absolute worst thing to do. The absolute worst thing to do would be to just let it rip. You know, just let the virus spread, do its thing. We continue in normal life. We go to work, we go to school, we go to the grocery store, we go to the gym, and a bunch of us are going to get sick, and some of us are going to die. And then after that, the people who survived the virus will have some sort of immunity, either temporary or otherwise. And then life will go on in the world with fewer people than before. 
Like I said, that seems like a bad idea, but we are somewhere in the middle. The question we are trying to answer is, how do we pick the best path that minimizes the damage done by this virus and minimizes the cost to society to answer? Because we don't have infinite resources, but we don't want everyone to die. And it's not like not everyone is going to die, but everyone that could die from the disease. We want to minimize the number of deaths from the disease, but we don't have infinite resources. So what do we do? And that is the subject of the next segment after the word from our sponsors. Uh, this is Space Radio, and I'm Paul Sutter. Remember, this show is brought to you by you. Please go to patreon.com slash Sutter to learn how you can keep this show going, and I will see you after the break. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Paul Sutter, and this is Space Radio. I'm doing a very special edition about the science of our response to the COVID-19 pandemic, trying to give you some insight and perspective onto how we arrived in this situation. A lot of you are experiencing your kids home from school. Maybe your work is shut down and you can't go to the gym. You can't go to the nail salon. When you're outside, you have to keep at least six feet away from anybody else. You can't get in large gatherings. We're, here we are. For some of us, this is like our second week of this reality, a temporary reality, but a reality nonetheless. How did we get here? Why did we as a society, why did our governments decide on this course of action? A lot of these decisions were based on a study led by Neil Ferguson of Imperial College London that was performed a couple weeks ago. This is a study dated March 16th of 2020. And what this study did. said, okay, the virus is here. We're going to look at the UK and the United States. And we are going to model, we are going to model how this virus spreads. And if we make certain changes to our societal structures, how will that modify the spread of the virus so that we can minimize the damage that it will do. Because if we just let it rip, if we just let the virus do whatever the virus wants to do, a certain percentage of humanity will die. And we want to avoid that. We want that number to be as small as possible, but we don't have infinite amount of money to do it. So what do we do? And this is where the modeling comes in. We have a model of the demographics of society. We know where people live. We know the population density across the UK and across the United States. And we have models of how people interact, of how much time people spend at home with their families, how much time kids spend at school with their classmates and teachers, how much time people spend at work, how many people a typical person in the UK or the US interacts with on a daily basis and for how long. That's all modeling and there's a lot of assumptions that go into this. So of course, it's not perfect, but it's something. Then there is also a model of how the virus spreads. Now, this model depends on a lot of things that we're currently learning, okay? We don't know everything about the virus yet. 
We have a model of how long a person will carry the disease uh, before it presents itself as a sickness. We know how easy, or roughly we know how easy this virus is to spread from one person to another. It does not appear to be airborne, at least we're kind of, sort of sure it's not airborne. It, 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 it spreads through little droplets of, of mucus or coughing of little fluids that you eject from your body and then get into someone else's body. That is how this virus spreads. You include that in the mall and then you can see how this virus will affect a community. And we know the death rate or we're starting to get an understanding of the death rate based on certain segments of the population. We know that young people, that kids almost certainly not die from this, but if you're older, if you're above 65, you have like a, you know, a 5% chance of, of dying from this disease. And that doesn't sound like a high number, but there's nothing I do in my life that has a 5% chance of killing me. Okay. So we have some data, we have some information, we have some good guesses and the critical number here that we care about is something we call R0, or uh, sometimes you might hear it as R0. This is the number that represents how dangerous this virus really is, or this disease is. This is number represents, if you get it, if you end up with COVID-19 inside of you, this is on average how many people you will give it to. Right now, we estimate the R0 is somewhere around two, between one and a half and two and a half. That means on average, if you get it, on average, you will infect two other people. And this is bad. This is bad. When this number R0 or R0 is greater than one, the number of people infected grows every single day. Day one, there's one person. Day two, there's two, then there's four, then there's eight, then there's 16, then there's 32, then there's 64, and 128. This is something we call exponential growth. This is something that we don't have a lot of experience with in uh, normal human calculations and understanding of the way the world works. Exponential growth is nasty because it stays really small for a long time. Like these numbers are small. Like, okay, 128 people are infected. Okay, 256 people are infected. 512 people are infected. Okay, that's not a lot. These are relatively small numbers. And then you blink and two weeks go by. And now you have 10,000 people infected. And then two weeks go by after that, and now you've got like 20 million people infected. Exponential functions, and that's what this means, exponential functions take you by surprise because they stay low for a really long time, and then they blow up in your face. And right now, the way COVID-19 spreads, it blows up in our face. And it is right now in the United States blowing up in our face. We could just ride it out. Just people are going to get sick and then some are unfortunately going to lose their lives, but the majority of us are going to survive and then life will go on. There's a certain percentage of people that no matter what we do, they will unfortunately lose their lives from this disease. It'll just affect them too badly. 
But then there's a bigger chunk of people that if we can get them medical intervention, if we can get them ventilators, if we can get them intubated, if we can help them out, they can make it through. But if everyone who's going to get sick from this disease gets sick all at once, we don't have enough hospital beds. We don't have enough gear. Our healthcare system is not designed to help all those people getting sick all at once. So we can't handle an R0 that high because too many people will get sick at the same time. And there'll be people that we could have saved, but we couldn't because we don't have a bed for them. We don't have a ventilator for them. We don't have the capacity to handle them. So this is where flatten the curve comes in. If we take steps to bring that R0 number down, if we can slow the spread of the disease, the same number of people might get sick, but instead of all happening on one day, it's going to be spread out over a couple weeks or a couple months. Then we can open up spaces because we send someone to a hospital because they get sick, but then we're able to save them. Then they can go home and then someone else comes to take their place and we can save them and then they go home and then someone else. We can steady this out. We can ease the burden and we can save a lot more lives than if everyone were to get sick at once. And unfortunately, I am almost out of time. I'm going to take my blue shift to time to talk about how the measures that we're doing are actually lowering this R0 number. This is Paul Sutter and you're listening to the Blue Shift, my opportunity to get no closer than six feet away from you. And that six feet, this whole social distancing thing is very important. And it comes out of this study done by researchers at the Imperial College London who did modeling of how COVID-19 could spread and how we can reduce the number of people who are sick all at once so we can save as many lives as possible with the goal of eventually turning this R0 number, this this number, the number of people you will infect if you yourself are already infected, if you can bring that number then to below one, then the disease will naturally go away. Because if there's 10 people infected today, then tomorrow say there's only nine. And the next day, only eight new cases. And the next day, only seven. And then six. And then five. And then four. And then three. And then eventually no new cases. This whole time, the number of cases are going up. It's still going up, but it's going up slowly, 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 and then it will start to turn over and come down. That is the ultimate goal of the measure, is to limit the disease. Right now, the steps we're taking are to slow the spread so that our healthcare capacity can keep up. And that's why we are closing schools. That's why we are limiting social interactions. And it's all recommended from this paper. And I'll put a link to the paper itself in the episode show notes. And the paper is very frank. If we enact policies like closing schools, limiting interactions, if you get sick, you get quarantined for two weeks. If you're elderly, you should probably self-isolate. If you go boom, 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 do these things... The peak healthcare demand can be reduced by over two-thirds. The number of deaths can be cut in half. But at the end of the day, this is all great and is exactly why we're doing it. But at the end of the day, we have to stick through 
to get the R0 number below 1. And if we can maintain that long enough, then the disease will eventually naturally peter out. It'll run out of gas. Maybe we can give us enough time to get a, a cure or a vaccine or a treatment, which can also lower the spread of the disease. But there's the cost. The cost is this is hard. The best thing I can say to everyone is you yourself are probably not in danger of being directly harmed by COVID-19, but this is still going to be hard. So hang in there and I'll see you next week. And unfortunately, this broadcast is almost done. Thank you for joining me on this voyage of space radio. Once again, I'm Paul Sutter, and this show is brought to you by you. Go to patreon.com slash PMSire. But I understand if you're in a financial pinch, don't sweat it. We can wait it out. Thanks to Greg Mobius for producing, Nancy Graziano for wrangling the space cadets, and all the fine crew at WCB Radio 90.5 FM for making this show possible. Catch the live stream every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern. You can visit Space Radio show.com for all the details thanks again space cadets for listening stay safe and i'll see you next week and remember science not covid19 is for sharing and of transmission Days of Astronomy podcast. The 365 Days of Astronomy podcast is produced by the Planetary Science Institute. Audio post production by Richard Drum. Bandwidth donated by Libsyn.com and Wizard Media. You may reproduce and distribute this audio for non-commercial purposes. This show is made possible thanks to the generous donations of people like you. Please consider supporting our show on Patreon.com forward slash 365 Days of Astronomy and get access to bonus content. After 10 years, the 365 Days of Astronomy podcast is entering its second decade of sharing important milestones in space exploration and astronomy discoveries. Join us and share your story. Until tomorrow, goodbye. Goodbye.